0: my ability to overcome fear really is about my ability to know who I really am. You see, when you know who you are, then you know that you really have nothing to be afraid of. And the devil knows this. And so through all of our lives, he is trying to convince us that we are something other than what we really are. And God, through scripture, has spent all of his life and all of his salvation history trying to remind us and teach us and educate us and inform us on who we really
1: are. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're gonna be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are gonna encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome.
0: Happy Sabbath, everybody. Happy Sabbath. Oh, happy Sabbath, everybody else. Happy Sabbath. All right, happy Sabbath. It's Friday. It's the Sabbath. You made it through the week. We are glad to be here. If you're glad to be here, can you just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad to be here? To be here. I'm really glad to be here with you. You can tell them that too, even if, even if it's not, you, know, you can still tell them. Glad to be here. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you, uh, Pastor, for the opportunity to come and speak. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak couple years ago, I think even before this building was built, we were outside. And so to be able to come back and to share again what God has put in my heart, I'm excited to do that. As he said, I served as a pastor in this conference uh, for total years, was about almost 15 years. Uh, 10 or so of those years were here in Southern California. I spent some time in Tennessee and spent some time in Mississippi when I first started. And just along the way, I started to begin to realize where my calling and where my great contribution to the church really lied. And that wasn't necessarily leading a church behind the pulpit uh, and preaching messages from week to week, but I really felt like my great contribution was coming alongside of leaders, coming alongside of young adults, coming alongside of people who are trying to figure out who they are and where they're going, and kind of helping coaching them and developing them into to discover who they are our call to be. And so tonight, I just want to share with you a message that God has put in my heart um, for us this evening, if that's all right. Is that all right? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for an opportunity to gather again. And as we open your word, we ask that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us. You know each and every person that is here. You know their struggles, their worries, their fears, their insecurities. God, you know What they are thinking about, you know what they're processing, you know the decisions that they're wrestling with right now. And God, I just pray for a spirit of clarity. I pray for a spirit of peace. I pray for a spirit of decisiveness to come over them, that they might know who they are, whom they are, and that they would be able to take their next steps with confidence and certainty, knowing that you are leading them. So God, just have your way in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen amen. So we're going to look in the Bible today at 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you have your Bibles or your phones, you can kind of get there, and we're going to go to the New Living Translation is where we're going to spend most of our time. But before we dive in, I just want to share with you that I firmly believe that God has given each one of you in this place a calling, a purpose, and a mission. If you believe me for you, say amen. 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 I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that each one of you, and I think on some level, you know that. You know that you have a dream. Each one of us in here, we have a dream. There's something that we want to achieve. There's something that we want to aspire to. There's something that we want to experience. We feel kind of deep down inside that we have a purpose, we have a calling, we have a mission. Now, you might not have a lot of clarity around what that mission and purpose calling is, but you know it's something more than possibly what you're doing right now, or you may be one of the fortunate ones who have discovered and have a level of clarity, and you're actually in the process of taking steps to develop that and to live into that, whether through school or through your job, um, that you're, you're, you're pursuing it. I believe firmly that every person has that calling. I also know and I also believe that your ability to actually experience the fullness of what God has for you and the vision and the purpose for your life has everything to do with the decisions that you make every single day about your life. It has everything to do with how you lead yourself. That if you want to experience the height of God's plan for you, if you want to experience the dreams that you have that he placed in your heart, the visions that you have, the ideas, it requires you to lead yourself extremely well. Now, when we talk about leading yourself well, we're talking about are you a man or a woman who actually does what you say you're going to do? Are you principled? Are you, are you someone who makes sound decisions? Are you, are you, do, you, do you seek counsel and wisdom? Are you, are you essentially doing what you say you're going to do? Or if you say you're going to get up and go work out, do you actually get up and go work out? Do we have anyone in here who has a great relationship with the snooze button? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? Just a few of us? Right. Like that, That's all about are you leading yourself well? right? Are you actually doing what you say you're you're going to do? Spiritually, are you doing what you say you you know you need to be doing? Mentally, physically, socially, are you doing and leading your life the way that you feel you know you need to lead yourself well in order to achieve what God has called you to achieve? Now, I want to tell you that your ability to actually lead yourself well has everything to do with how you think, more so, it has everything to do with how you think about yourself. That, that old saying, whether you think you can or you think you can't, finish it. You're right. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. That your ability to be motivated, your ability to be disciplined, your ability to go after what you have, what God is placing your heart to go after has everything to do with how you think about yourself and how you think about yourself. Your life and your thoughts. For most of my life, growing up in Seventh Day Adventist faith in this in this in this church, I always felt like all of my my ability to accomplish great things in life had had was all about my belief in God. That if I just believe in God, that God will somehow make a way and He'll figure it out and He'll open up doors for me. And it wasn't until recently in my life that I started to realize that you know what, believing in God is like one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is, do you believe in you? Do you actually believe that you are the person that God has called to go after the thing that God has called you to go after? Do you actually believe that, you, that the God in you has called you and gifted you and that you are able and capable and that you are able to do those things that God has called you? And if you can believe all you want about God, but if you don't believe in yourself, then it'll be very hard for you to achieve the things that God has called you to go after. And for many of us, the thing that keeps us is Fear. The thing that keeps us from truly going after our dreams and going after our hopes and going after our purpose is fear. Maybe fear because what we want to do may be a disappointment to our parents or to our family of origin. Maybe we feel like we're not smart enough or capable enough. We don't have the finances. We don't have the, the, the right scores, the right grades. And so there's some fear baked into, into why we're not going after what we want to go after. And that is affecting our thoughts about ourselves, making us feel like, well, I'm just not enough. And I think God knew this because if you read the scripture closely, you'll realize that there is a common theme from Genesis to Revelation where God is constantly trying to encourage the people over and over and over again, over 300 plus times throughout the entire scriptures where he's saying, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's almost like he knew Genesis chapter three happened, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, and immediately they felt shame, they felt guilt, and they felt fear. And God knew that my people, my children, that one of the things that they're gonna wrestle with for most of their life is fear. And so it was almost like throughout all of scripture, he keeps on baking in these messages. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Joshua, don't be afraid, fear not, fear not. Gideon, don't be afraid, fear not. Like, like don't be afraid, I'm with you, I'm with you. If I was with, with, you, with the ones before you, I'll be with the ones after you. I'm, it's okay, I'm with you. All throughout scripture, he's telling us, do not be afraid. And yet fear is something that so many of us deal with. And fear is something that will prevent you and me on a very real sense from living a life, leading a life well and living according to the purpose of God for our lives. It's fear. I've come to understand and to see that if I am going to overcome fear in my life, the way that I overcome fear in my life It's not by pulling myself up by my bootstraps. It's not by listening to a motivational, you know, Tony Robbins message on Instagram every morning. It's not by, like, like standing in the mirror and saying, I can do this. Like, really, my ability to overcome fear really is about my ability to know who I really am. You see, when you know who you are, then you know that you really have nothing to be afraid of. And the devil knows this. And so through all of our lives, he is trying to convince us that we are something other than what we really are. And God, through scripture, has spent all of his life and all of his salvation history trying to remind us and teach us and educate us and inform us on who we really are. And so he'll come to, to Gideon in Judges in chapter six, and he'll say, Gideon, He'll like you know why are you here? And if you know the story of Gideon, you know Gideon was 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 uh, uh, a part of a family that was hiding out from the Midianites, and they 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 felt like they were small and insignificant. And Gideon was the youngest of them all, and Gideon felt like he wasn't able or, or uh, he didn't have the ability to actually do uh, to deliver his family from this Midianite boot that was on their necks. And so and so the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon in Judges chapter six, and the angel of the Lord says, Gideon. It's interesting. He doesn't say, Gideon, why are you hiding? The angel of the Lord says, Gideon, mighty hero. The very first thing the angel says to Gideon is not, what are you doing here? Why are you hiding? The very first thing the angel says to Gideon is, mighty hero. It's almost as if the angel wants to remind Gideon that if I can convince you of who you are, a mighty hero, then you will go and do heroic things. You'll go and you'll tear down the the idols that your family has erected. You'll go and you'll fight against the Midianites and you'll capture them. If I can convince you who you are. So before I tell you anything else, I want to let you know you are a mighty hero, He does the same thing to Abram. He shows up to Abram. He says, Abraham, I'm going to cause you to go out and be the father of many nations. But before I do all of that, I need to change your name. Because if I can change your identity from Abram to Abraham, if I can change your identity, then I know that will impact your activity. Okay, let me make this plain to you. He does the same thing with Jesus. Jesus is born, he lives 30 something years, 30 years, and then he's about to start his professional ministry, and the very first place he goes is to see his, his, his cousin, John the Baptist, and John the Baptist baptizes him, and then what happens? An angel comes down from heaven, and Jesus hears the voice of God, and the voice of God says what? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well Pleased before Jesus healed anyone, raised anyone, did any activity, God said, I have to first remind you and make sure you are certain on who you are. You are my son. That's Luke chapter three. Luke chapter four, Jesus enters into the wilderness and guess what the devil tempts Jesus on? Are you really who God just said you were? If you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you're really the son of God, do this. If you're really the son of God, cast yourself down. When just one chapter before, Jesus heard the voice of God say, you are my beloved son. Jesus knew, God knows that to live a life well, to pursue purpose, to pursue destiny, to pursue mission, to pursue a life of of design and, and, and fulfillment, It requires you having a clear sense of identity. And your ability to know who you are has everything to do with who you listen to. Who you listen to. The voices that you listen to will on many levels determine the life that you live. Jesus had an option Luke chapter four. He said, I, I can listen to my father who just said, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? This is my beloved son whom, whom I am well pleased, or I can choose to listen to others who doubt me and don't know who I am and, 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 and say that I'm other than what I know my father has just told me I am. Your ability to know who you are, your identity. I'm not talking about your ethnicity. I'm not talking about your pedigree, your family of origin. I'm not talking about your name your age or where you were born or your last name even. I'm talking about core identity. If you know who you are in Christ, then literally the sky is the limit. And if you know who you are, it will give you the ability to overcome any fear, any shame, any guilt that the devil might be trying to come in, things that have happened from your past that you've done, that you've made mistakes. It will give you the ability to overcome them because you have a sense, a foundation, a groundedness. And this is who I am. And because of this is who I am, this is what I do. See, we reversed it, and we have made activity the thing that we focus more on. It's even in our school system. So you are only an A student if you perform like an A student and get all A's. You will only get that graduate degree if you actually go through the schooling system and pass all your classes and get the graduate degree. And that's fine. It's fine on some level to say that your identity... Your professional job, your career, those things are really driven by the activity that you perform. But when it comes to how you live your life, when it comes to the foundation of your life, I just wanna let you know that it has to be flipped. It can't be my activity determines my identity because I can look at my past and I can see a whole lot of mistakes I've made that will convince me that I am other than what I believe God has called me to be. But when I truly understand who I am in Christ, then I can look at my past activity and I can say, oh, those were just blimps on the radar. I know who I am right now. So yeah, I've made some mistakes. I've done some things I'm not proud of. You've made some mistakes. You're looking at me like you've never made mistakes. You've made mistakes. You've done things that you're not proud of. And the devil will try to convince you that you are your mistakes. But when you know who you are, that's shame. That's shame. He's trying to convince you that you are your mistakes. But when you know who you are, you can say, you know what, yes, I made some mistakes, but I am not my mistake. I'm a child of God. I am a son of the Most High. I'm a daughter of the King. This is who I am, and this is how I am going to live my life going forward let me just show you real quick why identity is so important in first samuel chapter 17 we read the story of a young man by the name of david and the older man by the name of goliath has anyone ever heard those names before has anyone ever heard this story before Okay, you've all heard this story before. And every time I share this message with different crowds, I say to myself, Seth, why are you talking about David and Goliath? Everyone has heard David and Goliath before. But there's just so much richness in this message. I just can't get away from it. So when you read the story of David and Goliath, we all know what happened. David's, the Goliath came and Goliath was taunting them. And for 40 days, they stood uh, on uh, on one side of the, the mountain and the Philistines were on the other side of the mountain and King Saul was scared. David came up. David said, you know, what, you know who, who, what, what do I get if I kill this, this giant? And said, well, you're going to get the king's wife and you're going to get tax-free living. And David said, that's good enough for me. And David, David, and David went forward and he killed Goliath. He killed Goliath. And we know the rest of this history. But there's so much buried in this text. I just want to parse out for you real quick. So when you read the story of David and Goliath, something very interesting happens. That Goliath shows up on the scene. And let me just show you where it is. I think it's in verse verse eight. Verse eight of 1 Samuel chapter 17. I don't know if you can put that on the screen. Verse eight of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Goliath shows up on the scene. And Goliath, when he shows up, and this is from the New Living Translation, Goliath says, the Bible says that Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. And then he says, why are you coming out to fight? He says, I am a Philistine champion, but you, you are only the servants of Saul. You see what Goliath just did? This is like art of war type stuff. It it wasn't Goliath's stature. It wasn't his... his his spear that weighed 100 pounds, it wasn't his shield, it wasn't the armor bearer, it wasn't Goliath's booming voice. Goliath was playing mind games with the children of Israel. Goliath said, why are you coming? I am a Philistine champion, and you are only the servants of Saul. Now, if someone says to you, you only a boy, how are you going to feel about that? if someone says you only are good at one thing, like that word only is so minimizing, right? It's so limiting. It's like, wait, like this is, this is some, I mean, listen, as pastors, I, I used to get this all the time. Well, you're only a pastor. Like that's that's all I am? Really? <laughs> I'm only a pastor? Like that word, if someone puts only next to something describing you, it's very limiting. And Goliath says, I am a Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Now, let me ask you this question. Were the children of Israel only the servants of Saul? No, they weren't only the servants of Saul. And I believe that Goliath knew they weren't only the servants of Saul. Goliath knew that this was actually the Israelite army who fought for the, for the living God. The, I think Goliath knew that this was the Lord's army. I mean, Goliath is not stupid. Well, at least we don't think he's stupid. Goliath knew of all the rumors of how that Samson went out and had battles with the Philistines and killed thousands, hundreds of them. Goliath saw the, the, the stories. He heard the myths. He heard the legends. He knew that these weren't only the servants of Saul. But in that moment, when he stood before them, he said, I am a champion and you are only the servants of Saul. And I believe that limiting word, description placed on the children of Israel was what shook them to their core and got them to actually forget Who they really were. And so for 40 days, the children of Israel stood scared in their boots of Goliath, who every day, morning and night, reminded them that they were only the servants of Saul. And I wanna tell you that the tactic that Goliath used back then is the same tactic that the devil uses today that he shows up in your bedroom, he shows up in your car, he shows up on your job, he shows up in your living room, he shows up on your phone, and he's saying, you're only this. You're only someone who's made these mistakes. You're only someone who has a bachelor's degree. You're only someone who this. You haven't even finished school. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. He is constantly reminding us of who we are not. And many of us, unfortunately, have brought in, have bought into his lie. Uh-oh. You are not only, but in fact, you are, you are a child of the Most High. Amen. David shows up. Now, where has David come from? Someone tell me. Tending sheep. Tending David was in the field writing Psalms. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for thee. Like David was in the, in, in the field with his harp, tending sheep. David was not sitting under the lies of the enemy. He was not exposed to the half-truths of Goliath. So when David shows up, David shows up and he's like, yo, what's going on? Why are y'all not fighting? What's, where, 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 the, where the battle at? And, and David's brothers come to David and they say, bro, why are you here? Are you here only just to, like, make fun of us? Like, you're just here nosy, right? You're just, you're just curious, David. Like, what are, you, what are you really doing here, man? Why don't you go somewhere and go back to those sheep? And David's like, yo, what did I do to y'all? I'm just, I'm just coming, to, coming to check on y'all. And then David hears it. David hears Goliath come. And Goliath says, send a man to fight. I defy the armies of the living God. Send a man to fight. And David loses his mind because David hears the lies of a Goliath. And the first thing David says is, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Now, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know if that's an appropriate insult that we would use today. If you walked up to somebody and said, who do you think you, who, who is this uncircumcised brother stepping to me like that? <laughs> like, <laughs> there would be a lot of questions. Like, how do you know this brother is uncircumcised? <laughs> like, what's really going on, right? That's not, that's not you know, what we want to say. And the question is, yo, David, like, what does Saul's circumcision have to do with this? But Saul, I mean, excuse me, um, but, but um, Goliath's circumcision but Goliath's circumcision has everything to do with this because David knows that circumcision is a sign of the covenant. And David knows that those who are in covenant are the head, not the tail. David knows that those who are in the covenant have the protection of the covenant maker over their life. David knows that those who are in covenant, that the covenant actually says, every place you put the sole of your foot shall be yours. Amen. David knows that those who are covenant, that none, that no one will be able to stand against them. So when David, when David stands, when David approaches the scene, David's like, hold on, hold on. You all see Goliath in his stature and his words. I'm looking at his genitalia, and. What I see is that this brother is uncircumcised. And if he's uncircumcised, that means he's not covered by the promise. I'm covered by the promise. It was almost as if David remembered the promise that was made to Abraham some two, three, four hundred years prior to where David now is showing up. And David's like, hold on, like not not even 200, it's like a thousand years prior to where David now shows up and he's like, yo, don't y'all remember the promise? Y'all going to let this uncircumcised Philistine keep y'all from the promise? And so now David's like, okay, let me go to King Saul. So he goes to King Saul, and David says to King Saul, listen, don't worry about it. I got you. Like, I've, I've killed lions and tigers and bears, all of which were uncircumcised. <laughs> so I know how this thing works. I get, my, my God kept me then. My God will keep me now. And King Saul says something to David that is so interesting. King Saul says, I want to read it to you. King Saul says in verse 33, King Saul says, don't don't be ridiculous, David. Saul replied, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. Because you're only a boy, ah, there's that word again, only. You're only a boy, and he, he's a man of war since his youth. The king of Israel is regurgitating the lie that Goliath has been telling them for the last 40 days. This is why it is so important that if you want to lead yourself well that you just can't sit up and listen to everybody and everything that's right that's right that you have to be like yo 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 that conversation's not for me why i that that the conversation's just not for me yo that show is not for me why because listen i it's 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 taking me someplace it's it's impacting how i see myself yo maybe social media during this season of my life is not for me I was reading a book just this last week while I was in the gym. I was listening to the book, and the author was talking about research on social media, and he was saying, like, listen, research has shown that those people who consume social media, they tend to have lower self-esteem, and as a result of their lower self-esteem, they, are, they have a decreased level of self-determination. Wow. You know what that means, self-determination? It means that they don't actually believe they're in control of their lives that they can't actually go after. Because what social media does to you is it creates a, a, a social comparison where you are normally comparing yourself to the person that you think is a little bit better than you, a step ahead of you, maybe a little bit prettier, has more money, doing more things than you, and you start to compare yourself. And so because you're comparing yourself, you start to feel as though you're less than, and because you're less than, that you can never have or go after. And your level of, soul, of self-determination, which is so important in order for you to lead yourself well, You have to have self-determination. You have to be able to wake up every morning and say, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. I can conquer. I can overcome. I can pass. I can graduate. I can go to the next level. I can achieve. I can experience. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if you spend all of your time scrolling and comparing, then your self-esteem will be lowered and your ability to actually believe that you can go after those things that God has placed within your heart to go after will be diminished. So you have to be extremely careful when you lead yourself, that you're you're listening to people who are encouraging you and speaking life over you and, 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 and moving you, helping you move in the direction that you feel God is calling you to move in. So King Saul says, David, you can't do it. You're only a boy. And David says, I I know how you see me, but I know how I see me. (laughs) I know how you see me, but I also know how I see me. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, I know how you see me, but I know how I see me. (laughs) No shade, no shade. (laughs) Right? Right? I know that there are people who might see me as a disappointment, but I, I know how I see me. I know there may be some people who see me as a failure, but I know how I see me. I know there might be some people who see me as as a mess up, but I know how I see me. I know there may be some people out there who see me as, but I know how I see me. David said, I know how I see me. I've done it before, I've seen it before, I'm confident. As God was with me then, God will be with me now. And David goes out. We know how the story ends. Goliath sees him coming, and Goliath's like, y'all sent this boy? And David's like, listen here, you uncircumcised joker. (laughs) Today I'm a a feed your uncircumcised carcass to the birds of the air. (laughs) And the rest is history. How did David do it? Is it because David was more skilled than his brothers? No. David wasn't a man of war. David was a shepherd. It wasn't because David had more military prowess or more military strategy. It wasn't because David was like a kung fu master. No, it was none of that. It was because David knew who he was. And when you know who you are, and every day you remind yourself who you are, there is nothing you won't be able to accomplish. If you know who you are and you remind yourself every day, there is nothing you won't be able to accomplish. I wanna just remind you, and as the band can come, I wanna remind you. I wanna remind you how God sees you. Can I do that? This is straight from the word of God. And when I say something that identifies with you, that maybe you want to like embrace as your own and like write it in your heart, write it in your journal, put it on your wall, put it on the, on the as, a, as the, the, the display cover of your phone. Like if there's something that I say that, that you say, yes, I want to embrace that as my truth. Would you stand with me? When I get there, it may not be the first one, but if I say something that connects with you, I want you to just to stand with me. God says that you are my child. He says you have peace with God, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, that you have access to God's wisdom, that you are reconciled with God, that you are not condemned by God that you have been justified. You have Christ's righteousness. You are Christ's ambassador, that you are completely forgiven and tenderly loved. You are a sweet fragrance of Christ to God. You are a temple. You are blameless. You are beyond reproach. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are chosen by Christ to bear fruit. You are joint heirs with Christ. You share in his inheritance with him. You are united in the Lord. You are a member of the body of Christ. You are chosen by God. You are a saint. You are hidden with Christ in God. You are holy and you share in God's heavenly calling. You are sanctified. You are one of God's living stones being built up in Christ. You are a member of a chosen race You are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are a people for God's own possessions created to sing God's praises. You are firmly rooted and built up in Christ. You are born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. That's what it says, the Bible says. You have the mind of Christ. You can approach God with, with, with boldness, freedom and confidence. You have been rescued from Satan's domain and been transferred into the kingdom of Christ. You have been made complete in Christ. You have been made complete in Christ. You have been made complete in Christ. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. All of your needs, all of your needs are met in Christ. You are royalty in God's kingdom. You have been brought with a price, bought with a price. You belong to God. You have been adopted as God's child. You have direct direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. You You can be assured that all things work together for good for those who love him, for we are called according to his purposes. You are free from any condemning charges that are against you. You are free from any condemning charges that are against you. You, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. You have been established, anointed, sealed by God. You can be confident in this very thing that God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You are personal witnesses of Christ. You are citizens of heaven. You are citizens of heaven. You are citizens of heaven. You are God's co-worker. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are God's workmanship and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's who you are. That's who you are. And if scrolling on social media doesn't remind you of who you are, (laughs) then you need to push the pause on social media. If hanging out with with your friends don't remind you of who you are, then you might need to reevaluate your friends. If the working a job that doesn't remind you of who you are and it feels like it's pulling you in the wrong direction, you might wanna reevaluate your job. Because your ability to actually fulfill the purpose that God has for you and to experience the dream that even you have for yourself, it requires you having an unwavering faith and not just who God is, but who God has called you to be. You have to believe that you can do whatever it is God put in your heart to do through Christ Jesus. And if in any moment we waver and we doubt and we and we wrestle with whether or not we are who God says we are, no, no that we are being attacked. We are being attacked by an uncircumcised Philistine <laughs> who's coming for us and trying to get us into a stupor that leaves us stuck, not for 40 days. The devil's plan is to leave you stuck for 40 years. Stuck, not pursuing the purpose of God, not pursuing the plan of God, not living a life well. Stuck because you're living under a lie that you are only, you are only, but you are more than only. And if you can believe that today, and you can tuck it away and hide it in your heart. And every day, unfortunately, you have to remind yourself, this is not like a, a one-time thing. Weeds grow every day without anyone tending to them or feeding them or trying to plant them. Weeds are a result of the curse. And there are weeds that are growing in your mind. Weeds of doubt, weeds of fear, weeds of shame, weeds of guilt. And every day you've got to pluck up those weeds out of your mind. And every day you must plant roses and flowers and vegetables in your mind. You must not allow one evil, ungodly, untruth of a thought be planted in the garden of your mind. You have to guard your mind as though your life depended on it because your life does depend on it. So every day you get up and you pluck out the weeds that the devil tried to plant over the last night, over the last 12 hours, over the last 12 years, you're plucking up those weeds by the root and you're planting, no, this is who I am. I'm a child of God. You're planting, this is who I am. You're planting seeds, you're planting seeds that will grow and bear fruit. You have affirmations, you have a journal, you remind yourself, have a voice memo. I have a voice memo on my phone that I listen to every day. And it's not of Tony Robbins or some other preacher, it's of myself telling me who I am and reminding me of the promise. And every single day I listen to on my phone, a voice memo of my own voice reminding me, Seth, this is who you are. Because if I don't remind myself, weeds will grow. If I allowed my garden of my mind to become overgrown with weeds, it will prevent me from moving forward with purpose, with clarity, with destiny, with decisiveness. And so my my prayer for us tonight is that we would say, Lord, I want to commit to guarding my mind, to living well, to eradicating fear and shame by knowing who I am by becoming extremely clear on who I am in Christ. For some of us, that can happen with us spending time in the word. Others of us, like myself, you might need to sit down and talk with someone, a therapist or a coach to work out some issues that have gone on in your past. You you gotta do whatever you gotta do to become clear on who you are so that you can move forward in Christ. If that's your commitment, would you just raise your hand with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, our hands are raised all over this place because we want to live a life, that the life that you die for. We want to live a life worthy of the calling. We want to be able to hear those words, well done, good and faithful. And God, it doesn't start with what we do. It starts with how we think, how we think about you, then how we think about ourselves. So God, I pray just life over your people in this place right now. God, I pray that you would just come beside them in the same way you showed up to Gideon, that you would show up to them. And the same thing you said to Gideon, you would say to them today, oh mighty hero, don't you know you are chosen and called by God? Oh royal people, holy nation, mighty army, beloved, You are chosen and called by God. May we never forget who we are in Christ. Yes, we know who you are on some level, but God, we have so many doubts about who we are. But today, may we have just a a slight more level of certainty that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. And if we're your children, that means we are a part of this covenant no uncircumcised demonic foe can prevent us from going forward. So we rebuke the enemy, and today we will give his carcass to feed on the by, the by the birds of the air, and we will go forward, conquering and conquering again. God, this is our prayer. I pray with that for that person who's had some traumatic experiences in their life. I pray, God, that you would just through therapy and through friends, just be help them begin to process and wrestle with what has happened and to allow them to know that they are not what has happened to them in their past, but they are who you called them to be. God, I pray for that person right now who's surrounded by negativity. Their family, their friends, everyone around them seems to just be crabs in a bucket speaking death over them. God, I pray that you would just be a head to protection around their mind. That they would fortify their hearts when they wake up in the morning every day knowing that, man, I got to go to battle today. And the battle is not, not something that we fight in this world. The battle is over my mind and my mindset. So, God, please just give them that fortitude through your Holy Spirit. And for that person who's just drifting through life, not quite sure what they're called to, doesn't have a real clear mission, doesn't have real destiny in their life, God, I pray that you would just come alongside of that person, that young person, and that you would open their eyes so that they can see the plans that you have for them, plans to prosper them, God, plans to grow them, God, plans to allow them to do great things. God, just come alongside of them and reveal your perfect plan over their life.
1: God, this is my prayer. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to LLUC.org give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there. On a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment, it makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.